Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches vacation.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards pass thrown there was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately he got the handoff you know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. oh my gosh listen thank you from the TOJ Digital Studios, coming to you courtesy of CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network, which has 24-7 live coverage of sports and costs you absolutely nothing, 100% free at all times, loaded with the things that I always look for in sports coverage, highlights, breaking news, fantasy advice, gambling picks, although I don't know that they're going to be as good as my brother Craig's, but still useful, and quality analysis. All those things are first rate on the CBS Sports HQ, and they're not something that you get very often from a lot of these big-time sports personalities, <laughs> Skip Bayless. And the best part is, not only is it completely free, 24-7, it doesn't even require a subscription or a login. You just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, and any other connected device at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans, just like you get here on Play Like a Jet, at the great price of absolutely nothing. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. This is the Jets-Jaguars post-game report. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to unpack the good, the bad, and the ugly, plenty of ugly in this game, of the Jets losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars today at TIAA Field down in Jacksonville with a great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stiplikoski. 
So Matt, I couldn't believe this when I saw it tweeted out, but apparently as the Jaguars were putting the finishing touches on the Jets, on the Jumbotron, they played all of Sam Donald's turnovers and blasted the theme to Ghostbusters. I have to say, as much as I think that's an insane troll, I got to respect it because it's kind of hilarious. Yeah, oh, definitely uh, definitely pretty savage move by the Jaguars. Uh, we had made plenty of allusions to, allusions to Ghostbusters up in the press box today, kind of saying that, you know, they, they, you know, they've got to play it at some point on the PA system, right? And sure enough, they waited until the game was in hand and, uh, you know, could kind of play the low light reel for Darnold. So uh, <laughs> they, were, they were playing up the ghost thing in Jack Neal today for sure. So let's talk about Sam Darnold, Matt, because you wrote a great piece on this over at NJ.com slash Jets. And anybody who hasn't read it yet, I highly encourage you to do so, where you broke down, as I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly of Darnold's performance. Now, let's say this right off the bat. Sam Darnold didn't have any help. The offensive line was terrible again today. The coaching was awful. And we're going to get to both of those things. Plus, Le'Veon Bell had arguably his worst game of the season. He wasn't able to do a lot of the things that make Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, the offensive line didn't help him, but in previous weeks, he's been able to do more without any help from the offensive line. I think finally, at a certain point, it caught up with him, but Sam Darnold had no help, so let's get that right out of the way. However, he was really bad today. He was making a lot of terrible decisions. He was forcing passes. I think it was another situation where a lot of times... There wasn't anything there, and he tried to be a hero. Specifically, that play early on where he escaped what looked like a certain sack, and instead of throwing it away, he threw it towards Robbie Anderson. Now, again, he didn't have any help because Robbie Anderson should have come back for the ball and played defender, no question about it. But Darnold never should have thrown that. Four interceptions. Overall, just a really terrible performance. The second one in a row, this wasn't quite as bad as the Patriots game. He was sacked a ton. Again, not entirely on him. A few of them were. Most of them weren't. But this is very concerning, Matt, because Sam Darnold seems to be regressing. And one of the major selling points of Adam Gase coming here, and we're going to talk about this more a little bit later, but I want to stick to Darnold right now, was that he was going to help take Sam Darnold to the next level. We saw what Darnold did the last month of last season, and we got a glimpse of it in the Cowboys game. But the last two weeks, he's been trending backwards, and that is the last thing that this organization needs right now. Uh, yeah, it definitely has not been good for the Jets or Sam Donald these last couple of weeks here. And uh, at least against the Patriots, you could kind of write it off as, you know, he's playing against the best defense in the NFL. It's the Patriots. They have a habit of kind of making other teams and other players look silly from time to time. Uh, but this week against the Jaguars, uh, kind of tough to find as many excuses for, for Sam and the Jets. I mean, it was a, a tough showing. He, I thought he kind of hung in there fairly well for most of the day he actually had a, a surprisingly high completion percentage for a while it was floating around 80 percent wound up finishing around 70 percent so not too bad I mean he was the, the first drive was obviously great he had the drive that kind of started in the third quarter ended at the start of the fourth quarter there that led him on their second touchdown that was you know another nice drive he uh was like I said he was just hanging in there um you know the, the offense didn't look good it was lifeless at times but um, he wasn't the main problem for most of the game, but then as soon as things kind of got tight and he had a chance to spark the Jets' offense and you know maybe bring this team back to life a little bit, he throws that second interception uh, downfield to you know targeting Vincent Smith, just a, a horrible decision, and then 
follows it up with another pick a few minutes later. Just uh, a couple brutal decisions, a br- couple brutal throws late in the game for Darnold there that killed it off. And uh, yeah, if you're the Jets, the last thing you want is to see your franchise quarterback throwing seven picks in two games and, uh, you know, starting to get worried about his confidence and everything getting rattled. Matt, I got to be honest, he raised our hopes a lot in that opening drive. He was hitting everything. And all of a sudden, he looked like the Sam Darnold we saw against the Dallas Cowboys, and then it all fell apart. One thing that I did notice here with Darnold is that when he has a clean pocket and he has time to throw, he operates like a high-level quarterback, but he's got to do better with dealing with pressure. I know that that's easier said than done, but the best quarterbacks in the league find ways to make plays, not all the time when they're facing heavy pressure, but at least some of the time, and he just looks lost when he's facing heavy pressure right now. Yeah, and, and obviously part of the problem is the fact that he's under heavy pressure far too often, which mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of puts you in that low percentage situation too much. But uh, you know, I, I think especially after last season, seeing him make some plays where he improvised and was able to you know kind of escape the pocket or move around in the pocket and you know make some magic happen even when things weren't going right. Uh, you know, to now see this season where under duress, uh, you know, things aren't going quite as well as they sometimes did last season. Uh, is a little bit of a concern for sure. I don't know if it's because maybe instead of you know one guy breaking through on the line, it's sometimes wholesale failures by the offensive line, and so he really doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, uh, it, it, there's a host of issues here that are kind of all feeding into one another, but certainly Darnold uh, has not been doing particularly well under pressure, especially these last couple weeks and fighting the Jets. Not that they were great when he came in, but is it me or did the offensive line perform marginally better when Jonathan Harrison came in at center to replace the injured Ryan Khalil? Yeah, tough to tell. I mean, maybe a a splinter, you know, but um, again, and I know I've said this before in past weeks, you know, line play is one of those things that's a little tricky to tell in real time live, especially, you know, up in the press box when we're doing some other stuff, kind of takes me going back and looking at it a little bit. So maybe I'll have to keep an eye on that moving forward here. But, um, you know, e- even with Harrison in there, I, I, I'm sure the offensive line was far from flawless. But, uh, you know, Ryan Khalil has certainly underwhelmed this season. Not a stretch to imagine that Jonathan Harrison would be a little bit of an uptick, you know, maybe some better communication up front and everything like that. But, um, you know, one way or another, things up front just uh, you know are not working out for the Jets right now that was really my roundabout way of asking if you think Harrison is going to take over the job <laughs> uh you would have I mean I don't think so at this point um just because it, you know they, they keep going to Khalil uh, they seem to like something about him um you know they keep going back to that well and they would have had their chance to kind of cut bait on the Khalil experiment you know, pretty easily if they had wanted to after the bye, go to Jonathan Harrison or, uh, you know, they've had plenty of chances at this point to, to walk away from Khalil and go to Harrison. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. So I think I'm kind of in, uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it kind of mode at this point. The offensive line overall was downright embarrassing again today. Alex Lewis had a bad penalty. It was a face mask. Other than that, he was still the best player on this line. But Oh, this is rough to watch. Chuma Adoga, all due respect to him, he's a third-round rookie, and he shouldn't even be playing right now. The only reason he's playing is because of injury and because of how bad Brandon Shell was. Now, Brandon Shell got forced back into the lineup because of the injury to Kelvin Beecham. But quite frankly, 
Chumadog is not ready to play right now. He's certainly not ready to take on top-flight defensive players, and it showed again today. Yeah, um, tough day for him for sure. Uh, Brian Winters, from you know my first glance look, looked like he had some uh, kind of tough moments as well. Uh, Lewis, you mentioned the penalty, and uh, you know it seemed like once or twice I saw him getting beat as well. I mean, uh, just about everyone across the offensive line, you could point to at least a few plays, but uh, Chuma Doga probably had you know the toughest day up front that. Uh, jumped off the page to me. It seemed like a lot of times when guys were breaking free, it was from that left side of the Jets' offensive line. And uh, like you said, I mean, he's been kind of pressed into action here by circumstance. And uh, so I, I suppose I kind of grade him on a curve a little bit. And uh, Jets fans, I'm sure, are hoping that he can develop over the course of a few years and kind of turn into a, a nice player. But uh, right now, he is certainly seems to be in over his head at least a little bit here trying to, to start especially on the left side as a, as a rookie third rounder uh you know pretty early on in the process here getting pressed into action and it hasn't panned out let's talk about the rest of the offense here matt i thought that ryan griffin had a really nice game obviously he had two touchdowns and the catch on the two-point conversion he seems to be getting open a lot more than people realize. Joe Blewett showed this on the film. When Darnold wasn't in and it was Luke Falk, Griffin was getting open a fair amount of the time, and Falk just wasn't seeing him. Darnold is seeing him a lot more, and the results are paying off. I don't expect him to play anywhere near as much once Christopher Herndon is ready, but I thought this was a solid game for him, and he is showing that he can be a decent depth option at tight end. Still not much of a blocker, but as a receiver, he's shown that he can play a little bit. Yeah, I believe that uh, UConn's Ryan Griffin, if you want to refer to him in, in the proper manner, uh, my alma mater right there. I, you know, I think he was inspired by the Huskies' big win over UMass on Saturday, decided to really come out firing on Sunday here. Um, but, yeah, good day for him. Uh, one of the rare bright spots in this Jets performance. And uh, once again, go Huskies. <laughs> Always got to find a way to work that in there, Matt. I respect it. Let's talk about the wide receivers now. Robbie Anderson, he had some good moments. He had some bad moments, had some nice catches. He drew a penalty that would have been a long touchdown if the defensive back hadn't pulled the Tremaine Johnson and grabbed Robbie and saved himself the embarrassment of a touchdown and instead ended up with a defensive holding penalty. But then, of course, there was the sketchy route running and the fact that he didn't come back and fight for the ball. It seemed to have led to at least one interception, although as we'll get into after we talk about the game and we get into the quotes in the locker room afterwards, Adam Gase seems to believe that one of the interceptions was on Darnold and not on Robbie Anderson, but still, that wasn't good. This is a guy that's been the subject of a lot of trade talk, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but this is a very mixed performance by Robbie Anderson, and this is why he's been so frustrating to people, because he has the ability to make a lot of plays, but then you see stuff like that, and you just shake your head. Yeah, exactly. I, the first drive of the game, he popped up with a few catches, and uh, all of a sudden, you start thinking, oh, wow, maybe this will be you know one of those big days for Robbie, and then, uh, you know as soon as you start thinking that it seems like things start falling apart and uh yeah the first interception from Darnold where it was an ill-advised throw for sure he should not have been trying to squeeze that ball in there on the run after he escaped the sack but uh Robbie's got to do a better job of fighting for that ball and just trying to break up the play um the he got called for offensive pass interference at one point it was just uh you know a really mixed bag and 
uh, I think you could probably try to make at least some sort of argument that on the last interception as well, that maybe he could have tried to help Darnold out a bit more. Uh, you know, I don't know if I fully buy that one as much as the first interception, but um, yeah, definitely a mixed bag from Robbie Anderson. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with him over the next couple of days here, what the Jets, what Joe Douglas decides to do with him. Um, because, you know, this just offense isn't exactly flush with good wide receivers and getting rid of him will severely limit their options. But uh, at the same time, the Jets could certainly use some future assets and draft picks at this point. And he's one of those few routes to pick them up right now. So it's going to be fascinating to see what the Jets try to do with Robbie Anderson moving forward the next couple of days. If the Jets do move Robbie Anderson, then they would only be left at wide receiver with Jamison Crowder and Demarius Thomas as far as guys with legitimate starting experience. Demarius Thomas bounced back from a really bad game last week, had some nice catches this week, including that crazy juggle down inside the five-yard line that he caught when nobody thought that he'd be able to. So he continues to provide at least some decent locker room leadership and depth at the position. He's made some decent plays. I wasn't expecting a ton from him, but if he can continue to contribute a couple of catches a game, then he's going to be worth the draft pick that they gave up that probably won't even end up leaving the Jets' hands because it was a conditional draft pick. I guess that's why it's a good thing I didn't place a bet on Demarius Thomas not contributing at all over at mybookie.ag. And I easily could have because you can bet on just about anything over there in terms of prop bets plus. You can also bet on all of the games. I recommend following my brother Craig's advice. He comes on the pregame report show and gives his betting tips every single week. And he has been on fire. He had a near perfect week this week. In fact, he lost the Sunday night game, but he got all the rest of his picks right, including the Jets and the Jaguars. And he also hit on his teaser He's been killing it with his teasers this year So you want to listen to that And you can cash in big over at mybookie.ag When you go over there right now And sign up using the promo code OVERTIME You'll get your first deposit doubled That's right, they will double your first deposit When you sign up over at mybookie.ag And use the promo code OVERTIME You can bet on the Jets games Any of the rest of the games around the league And all the different prop bets that they have up there right now as well so head over to mybookie.ag use the promo code overtime and get your first deposit doubled mybookie.ag you play you win and you get paid and this coming Sunday the Jets are going to be looking to wash the taste of this terrible loss against the Jaguars out of their mouths in Miami if you're looking for an opportunity to hang out in nice weather and go see the Jets win this would be a pretty safe bet for you because the Dolphins are more or less trying to tank and Miami is always very nice this time of year so if you're going to take a flight down to Miami to catch the Dolphins and the Jets you want to make sure that you get yourself an excellent ticket because you don't want to make that trip and then end up sitting all the way in the upper deck defeats the whole purpose so go download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now use the promo code overtime at checkout and you will get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase which you can use for that jets dolphins game coming up this coming sunday or if you don't want to go to that game you can use it for anything else if there's a concert coming around that you want to see a wrestling event some other sporting event perhaps you want to go to a basketball or a hockey game you can use the promo code overtime when you download the vivid seats mobile app it'll get you up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase but matt i want to talk about adam gase's coaching here One of the big problems that we saw from him in Miami is that he was good at making offensive game plans and he could scheme guys open, but the problem was 
once things went off script, he didn't have an ability to adjust. He got burned by that a bunch of times in Miami, and it looks like he's getting burned by that a lot in New York. One of the major worries about Adam Gase coming in here was that he didn't have time to reflect. He didn't have time to lick his wounds. He went straight from one coaching job to the next. He went from one failed endeavor to the next without having to sit back and really consider what he did wrong and what he needed to fix. This was something he needed to fix, and he hasn't done it at all, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah, it certainly does feel like during these games when things start going south uh, that the Jets kind of start just beating their head into a brick wall. They don't seem to change a whole lot. They don't seem to try anything new. It's just, uh, you know, go back out there, follow the same formula again, and hope it works out better this time. And, uh, you know, that's certainly not uh, conducive to success most of the time. And uh, one of the things that kind of blows my mind uh, to some extent, I suppose, is just how, I mean, Sam Darnold, how often do we talk about his ability to throw on the run and, you know, he's really mobile and, you know, it does a good job when he gets outside the pocket and this offensive line has been brutal. And yet, you know, you don't see many design rollouts for him. There's so many other ways where you would think that the Jets could try to at least mitigate some of their offensive line problems, maybe some more screens to Le'Veon Bell, like just trying something to shake it up do something out of the ordinary from what they're doing right now. But, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like those things get folded in very often. And uh, instead, like I said, you just kind of keep going back to the same script over and over again. It definitely seems like they should incorporate Le'Veon Bell more into the passing game to make better use of him. Because, Matt, the problem with Le'Veon Bell behind this offensive line is Le'Veon Bell's a guy who's a very patient runner, so he waits for holes to develop. The holes don't develop here. And the stat that PFF had, even as much as I bag on PFF because their grading system is ridiculous, but they researched that Le'Veon Bell going into this game had 93% of his yards coming after contact, which is insane. So when you have an offensive line that's not doing anything for him, there's a limit to what he's going to be able to do. Even though statistically he hasn't put up the gaudy numbers you're used to, it's amazing that he's done what he's done because he's done everything on his own. You would think that knowing that and seeing that Le'Veon Bell is going to have trouble behind that line, or at least more trouble than he normally would behind a competent line, you would try to find ways to do design plays for him in the passing game, like you said, screens and such. But they haven't done that, and it's baffling, in addition to the fact that, once again, I know they used Powell on that fourth and one, but they haven't really used Powell in Montgomery much either. Yeah, it is bizarre. It's strange, and uh, especially with Bell in the passing game. Uh, I know I was kind of looking that up after the game, and if I remember right, he had 27 catches over the first four games, so uh, you know, six and a half a game, pretty pretty good clip there, but the last few weeks it's really dried up. He's had eight catches in the last three weeks, if I remember correctly. And, you know, so that's what, 2.7 catches per game. That's uh, a pretty substantial drop off. He is uh, very much, you know, taking a backseat in the passing game the last few weeks here. And, uh, you know, it just seems strange to me because Bell, you know, at least on paper, should be Sam Donald's best friend, his security blanket leaking out of the backfield and making some plays for him that way hoping to beat blitzes by getting out there and, you know, taking some short passes, some screens, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it just hasn't happened these few weeks, which is, uh, you know, a strange wrinkle. And, uh, you know, I know with Sam coming back, I suppose you expect Bell to be doing a little bit less work than he was when Luke Falk was under center. But, 
uh, it's been pretty staggering to see just how much Bell has uh, kind of you know taken a back seat in this offense the last few weeks. He went from 24 and a half touches a game the first four weeks to a little over 14 touches per game the last three weeks. So, uh, you know, he has certainly kind of had a scaled back role since Donald returned to the offense, and I'm not entirely convinced that that's a good thing. Matt, I want to talk a little bit about the defense now. Greg Williams has always been known for being a little unorthodox, and he's been caught with defensive ends covering running backs or tight ends. It's burned him a little bit, but today it really burned him badly. This happened a couple of times. What exactly is the thought process behind that? I know he's trying to get some heat on the quarterback, but you're really taking a huge risk considering the lack of success when it comes to defending the pass in general. You leave somebody like that on an island, a defensive end against a tight end or a running back, you better get to that quarterback quick. And this team hasn't been doing that. So that seems like they've been playing with fire for a while and they got burned bad today. Yeah, uh, definitely. And I think that's something that I'm, you know we're, we're going to have to ask Greg a bit more about this week when we get a chance to get him up on the podium. Uh, I'm not sure that we have really gotten a, a good explanation for uh, what's going on there, why he has been doing this kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, there's one play that I recall from you know today's game of Kyle Phillips getting beaten coverage. And I know earlier this season, he had gotten torched for a long one too. And uh, there's been you know plenty of examples of guys running routes against defensive ends, and it's you know it's kind of laughable to see guys that large trying to chase in coverage, and uh, you know it seems like they're kind of doomed to fail there. And like you said, they haven't been getting consistent pressure by any stretch, so uh, you're putting those guys in a pretty tough position to succeed. So um, I'm curious to see what. Greg Williams' rationale is and, uh, you know, hear from him on his thought process behind that one because certainly the Jets have gotten burned by it a handful of times this season. It's Sunday, just the latest example. Matt, I got a couple of other questions you can ask Greg Williams when you have the opportunity to talk to him. One of them being, what was going on with Nate Hairston sitting down in favor of Tremaine Johnson? Tremaine Johnson's been terrible, hasn't been able to cover anybody. And when Hairston finally came in, he played much, much better than Tremaine Johnson. He gave up a couple of plays here and there, but for the most part, much better. He looks like a guy who, if he continues to progress the rest of the season, could ease Joe Douglas's troubles a little bit because maybe he could be a competent cornerback number two. And then that way, Joe Douglas doesn't have to go out and get two brand new starting outside cornerbacks. I'm not sure exactly what the thinking is there from Greg Williams. Maybe Nate Hairston was hurt worse the last couple of weeks than we realized, but I don't understand why he didn't just start this game, considering how bad Tremaine Johnson's been. Yeah, I would imagine that Hairston being banged up has something to do with it. Um, the Jets do just, I mean, they kept saying that they liked the way Tremaine Johnson looked in practice. Um, take that for what it's worth. Um, maybe it's you know some combination of the two things, but... Certainly, Tremaine Johnson is not what's good on the in the games that we all see the last handful of weeks, or you know, really the last year and a half at this point. Uh, so, kind of puzzling what the the thought is there. But uh, yeah, Harrison certainly does seem like an upgrade at this point, and uh, with Tremaine Johnson seemingly a bit banged up now, maybe you'll see more Harrison moving forward again. Another question you can ask Greg Williams is about Quinn and Williams. I'm curious what's going on here because it seems like 
There are a lot of times that you would think he'd be on the field, and he isn't. He's been used predominantly as an outside defensive end. Now, at Alabama, he was able to play all the spots on the line, and I think that he's going to be able to do that as he moves forward as a pro. But you would think, as a rookie first starting him out, you would want to simplify things and maybe put him more on the inside. What is going on with Quinnen Williams and his usage? It seems very peculiar to me. Today, he was fairly quiet. He's had games over the course of the season when he's been healthy where he's gotten in on pressures. He had a pass deflection against the Patriots and a tackle for a loss. Had a big game against the Cowboys. This week, pretty quiet. He had that one pressure that helped Leonard Williams get the sack that then got nullified by James Burgess later on. But this is very strange. I don't know what's going on. Is he maybe more banged up than we realize? Uh, I'm not sure. And it's interesting because Greg did talk a bit about it, uh, not before this game, before the Patriots game, that, uh, you know, guys within the room and he uh, himself, speaking of Greg Williams there, uh, Greg Williams and the team was impressed with how quickly Quinn Williams came back from his injury, his ankle injury. Um, you know, they were raving about his toughness a bit there and getting back in there. I don't know if maybe he got back in there a little sooner than uh you know maybe he should have and that's why the jets are using him a little bit more uh you know on the outside changing things up doing things a little bit differently or if it's just strictly a scheme thing um certainly something that we can and should ask him about on uh friday when we get a chance to to see greg williams because uh yeah quinton williams has been a little bit of an an interesting figure so far this year I, i don't think he's gotten nearly as as much attention as you would probably expect from a guy that got drafted number three overall in April. Um, You know, just a combination of him having a couple quietish games and then there being so many other problems around this team. He's flown a bit under the radar, but uh, you know, at some point we're we're certainly going to have to start uh, peppering Greg with some questions about what's going on with Quinnett. And obviously when the guys that got picked in relatively close vicinity to him, such as Nick Bosa, who got picked one pick ahead of him and had three sacks today for the 49ers, Josh Allen, who did very well today with the Jaguars, although to be fair, obviously very different situations because Allen is in a loaded defensive front seven, and so he has a ton of help there. It's much easier to get sacks, but he's got off to a nice start. Brian Burns in Carolina, obviously doing very, very well, so... The expectations for Quentin Williams very high, as they should be. But I should point out that I think that the people that are already jumping to the, this just shows that interior defensive line doesn't mean anything, and you can't pick an interior defensive lineman over an edge rusher. I would present to you Exhibit A, this game, where Calais Campbell, for everything anybody wants to say about anybody else in that front seven, was the best player on the field. He dominated all day. And by the way, Matt, last I checked, he's an interior defensive lineman, is he not? Yeah, I mean, he's listed as a defensive end, but uh, I had kind of looked this up before uh, the game this week. During the week, uh, he predominantly lines up over the right guard, uh, and most of his snaps come kind of on the interior. So he moves around a lot on the line, and he does line up on the end sometimes. But yeah, I think more so than anything, you'd probably have to call him an interior guy. He's been dominant for a decade, so if Quinnen Williams ends up being along the lines of a Calais Campbell or better, then I think that that would prove certainly that an interior defensive lineman who's dominant is worth his weight in gold. That's the problem I think a lot of people don't understand is that it's not about interior defensive line versus outside pass rusher. It's about who's going to make the most impact and who's going to get to the quarterback. If you have an interior defensive lineman who can constantly create havoc around the quarterback, he's worth his weight in gold because of the fact that he can get there quicker than a guy who has to come 
around the edge. The question, of course, always becomes just how good is said interior defensive lineman because the really good ones like Calais Campbell are very hard to find. So if Quinton Williams is that guy, then he's worth it. If he's not, then, of course, it's going to give a lot of ammo to the people that were against drafting him in the first place. Obviously, everybody knows where I come down on this. I was a huge supporter of Quinton Williams before the draft. I remain one. I still think he's going to be one of the most dominant defensive players in the league over the next couple of years, but he's going to have to continue to step his game up. I think he's played a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for, but when you're picked number three in the draft, obviously, the expectations are extremely high, just as they should be. I wanted to ask you something about Leonard Fournette, too. This is a guy who, after his first few years in the league, was deemed a bust. And then this year, he comes back, and he's having a career year. He looks like Eric Dickerson out there. These big runs, he's just bowling people over. He is essentially that bowling ball with incredible speed that everybody saw coming out of LSU that everybody expected today. Some really big plays against the Jets. The two that stick out in my mind is the first play from scrimmage where he ran all the way down inside the 10-yard line and set up that initial score for the Jaguars. The other was the play that I think sealed the game. The Jets had the opportunity to get the ball back down seven points with about seven minutes to go. It was a third and 10, and Minshew hit Leonard Fournette on a pass on the outside, and Fournette was able to get that first down. And I think that pretty much killed it because then the Jaguars marched down the field, got a touchdown, and went up by 14 points with under seven minutes to play. And at that point, there was no way the Jets were going to be coming back. So Leonard Fournette continuing to gash defenses. And today he beat up the Jets. Marcus May looked like a little boy trying to tackle Leonard Fournette in the open field on that first big run. He just whiffed completely. And Fournette had his way for a lot of the day today. Yeah, he did. And uh, I suppose Fournette is uh, kind of a, a lesson in patience and uh, you know, giving guys time to kind of find their footing because, like you said, he was uh, panned pretty widely as a bust the first few years there, and now he's certainly looking like he was worth the draft pick and worth everything else that's come along with it. So, uh, you know, may- maybe that is a lesson for all of us uh, in, you know, judging some of these players a bit too early. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about the other big factors in the passing game, namely Gardner Minshew and DJ Shark. Shark was his favorite target today. And Gardner Minshew was doing a lot of the things that Sam Darnold was typically praised for, being able to make plays 
out of the pocket on the run. He was making accurate throws. In fact, one of them he made for a touchdown late in the game. He looked like the guy that you would have drafted in the top five, not Darnold today. This was a really impressive performance for Gardner Minshew, and you have to give John Filippo credit. He took the fall in Minnesota last year, and now this year he's in Jacksonville. He's helped revive Leonard Fournette and shake the bus label off of him, and he's taken a sixth-round pick in Gardner Minshew and helped develop him into a quarterback that looks like a legitimate starter in this league. So this was an impressive performance by Minshew and his mustache, and I like what I saw from John Filippo today. He's done a really nice job. Yeah, that's a guy that's, uh, I guess, rehabbing his image around the league pretty quickly because, like you said, things didn't go well for him in Minnesota last year. And, uh, you know, prior to that, he had been a hot name as a potential, you know, up and coming head coaching candidate. Uh, and then he falls off the map a little bit and lands in Jacksonville. And all of a sudden, he looks like a, you know, a hot name again because he's making Minshew look terrific and, uh, you know, rehabbing Fournette and, uh, you know, doing a, a really nice job keeping this Jacksonville team, uh, you know, respectable and around 500 with Nick Foles out for so long here. So, uh, you know, a nice job by John D. Filippo and, uh, you know, a really good job by uh, Minshew as well. Some great decision making, some good athleticism, uh, uh, impressive ability to throw on the run. And, uh, you know, he was just really smart today. It seemed like he had a, a good feel for when he needed to throw the ball away and just get rid of it. And, you know, other times when he could hang on to it a bit longer and wait for something to develop for him. So, uh, you know, really, really impressive performance by him. A really rough day for the linebackers. James Burgess was picked on quite a bit, as was Blake Cashman. And a strange game for Jamal Adams. He had some really nice plays, but then he got caught up in some bad plays. I have to go back and watch the film and see how much he was actually responsible for. But there at the end, it looked like he might have been able to try to make a tackle there in the end zone, and it didn't work out so much. I know it wasn't his man, but it was a weird series of events. Like I said, I have to go back and watch the film. But a very interesting day overall for Jamal Adams and like I said, those linebackers picked on by Gardner Minshew from the jump, and he didn't let up on those guys. He had some really big plays against them all afternoon. Yeah, and I suppose that shouldn't really come as too much of a surprise. I mean, when you've got so many injuries at that inside linebacker spot, and you've got uh, Brian Cashman and James Bird, just a guy who was on the practice squad until Saturday, kind of trying to hold it down, uh, I suppose you should, should expect hiccups there. Um the Jaguars were smart to go after Burgess and it worked out well for them. Uh, and then, like you said about Adams, a, kind of a, a mixed day uh, for him as it was for uh, Robbie Anderson. You know, he makes a great play early on second play of the game when he chases Fournette down to temporarily save that touchdown. Uh, he nearly picked off a pass a little while after that, but then he also takes back-to-back personal fouls at one point and, uh, he was beaten for the first touchdown. He admitted that that was on him. He uh, tried to, you know, kind of predict what route was coming, got it wrong, and that's why, uh, you know, the receiver was wide open in the end zone. And then, like you said, on that last touchdown, looked like maybe he could have tried to do a bit more there. So, uh, not the best day for, you know, Jamal Adams, your Pro Bowl safety. He uh, is a guy you kind of expect a bit more from, a bit more of a consistent performance. Today was not the even-keeled, you know, strong day that you expect from Jamal by any stretch of the imagination. I want to talk a little bit quickly about the Jacksonville Jaguars defense because I think this is something that Jets fans look at and just say, where is this with the Jets? Been waiting for this for so many years. A lot of fans weren't around for the sack exchange when you had Marty Lyons, Abdul Salam, Joe Klecko, 
and Mark Gastineau striking fear into the hearts of quarterbacks. They didn't have to do exotic blitzes because they had those guys coming on every play. And opposing teams had players that literally cried. I'm not even joking, Matt. There was an offensive lineman on the Colts back in the early 80s who was victimized so badly by Gastineau in one game that he was crying on the bench. It's been a long time since the Jets have had anything like that. I'm not saying the Jaguars are as good as the sack exchange, but when you look at guys like Josh Allen, Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell, when he was healthy, Marcel Darius, and down the line in that front seven, I'm not talking about each individual player. I'm saying all of them as a unit, they don't have to do exotic blitzes because they have guys coming on every single play that can get the job done. You look at that and you think about all the times that the Jets went defense in the first round over the last bunch of years, and I'm not pointing a finger at the defensive linemen because I think the ones that they've picked for the most part have been really good, but then you look at some of the other picks that they've used on defense and it hasn't worked out so well, you would think that using all those high assets on defense, you would have a front seven by now that could get to the quarterback without having to dial up these blitzes. It was hard to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars today and not be jealous. Yeah, I can imagine that would be the case. And uh, certainly when you have those guys up front, too, that can kind of get their all on their own and you don't have to dial anything up and be exotic, you know, it ripples out throughout the defense and makes things easier on a bunch of other guys in different areas. So, uh, you know, it's a luxury when you can pull that off. And the Jaguars put a clinic on uh, in that regard on Sunday. And, you know, they've been doing it for a while now. Just uh, a really good front seven there. Uh, and yes, I can imagine if you're a Jets fan watching that, just kind of shaking your head and, you know, wondering about what could have been or should have been and, uh, you know, how badly you would love to have something similar on the Jets' own defense. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Matt, before we go inside the locker room and hear what Coach Gase and the players had to say, I wanted to ask you if you've heard anything more up-to-date about the status of Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams. The last we heard, reports were that the Jets were actively shopping both players. I'm not entirely sure what the asking price is, and I'm not entirely sure if they've committed to dealing these guys to the highest bidder, or if the situation is they will trade these players if some team meets a set asking price. What do you know about this? Are you expecting these guys to get dealt by Tuesday? And if so, what do you expect the Jets to get for them? Yeah, so, you know, kind of what I know is about what you know, the latest reports there of the Jets shopping those guys, but still unclear exactly what they're looking for. But uh, I have to imagine that today's performance makes it at least a little bit more likely that the Jets shop those guys or, you know, at least one of them, if not both of them, just because, uh, you know, it's 
tough to imagine Joe Douglas watching that game, seeing how things played out and not feeling like he needs as much draft capital as possible this coming spring to kind of reboot and rebuild this roster. So, uh, you know, if you can deal Leonard and Robbie to some teams that need rentals and are willing to give you some, uh, you know, mid roundish picks, uh, you know, if you can pull some thirds and fourths out of your hat, that wouldn't be so bad. And you can use that moving forward, but it's a matter of whether, uh, you know, anyone's going to bite and what's, uh, you know, what some teams are going to offer here. But, uh, unfortunately, you know, kind of sitting and waiting a little bit here as well. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of developments over the next, you know, day and a half, two days here as we wait for the trade deadline and some more news coming out here. But, uh, for right now, it's, it's still just a waiting game to see what Joe Douglas decides to do with those guys. Matt, let's go inside the locker room now. What did Coach Gase have to say? Yeah, so uh, as you'd expect, he was you know, saying that it was not a good day for the Jets' offense and the Jets' special teams or defense, for that matter, uh, saying that it was just a, kind of a failure all around. And uh, One of the more concerning things was certainly him saying that uh, in some instances the offense just still isn't on the, the same page. Guys aren't you know, all on the same page when they're uh, running the plays and, you know, trying to get things executed here, which is certainly concerning. I mean, that was something that's come up before and, you know, now it's week eight, you're almost halfway through the Jets season here. And uh, it sounds like by, you know, what he's saying, there's still some guys that aren't entirely clear on what they have to do, or at least the details of what they need to be doing. And, uh, you know, they've been working in this offense for a long time now at this point. So that's, certainly concerning and something that the Jets have to remedy immediately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was mostly a lot of talk about Sam Darnold and, and his struggles in case, uh, you know, as you'd expect is, uh, you know, not exactly throwing Sam under the bus. He still very much believes in Sam and uh, said he, you know, he sees a lot of good things from him, both in practice and during the games uh, have to eliminate some of those big mistakes. Of course, the interceptions, uh, Gase kind of wore some of the blame, especially for that second interception, the one when the Jets were backed up in their own 10-yard line there, uh, saying it was a bad play call and uh, that he shouldn't have put Sam in that position. But, uh, yeah, certainly a, a, a bit of a downtrodden Adam Gase uh, after this one, as you would expect. Got to be honest, Matt, that is an astounding comment that he made that guys are not able to do what they do in practice. I don't know what else to say other than that's either a failure of coaching or Adam Gase is implying that the roster's terrible. Either way, that's not good because even if you believe the roster's terrible, you can't talk that way about your players. Yeah, um, right. The fact that guys aren't on the same page and that things aren't translating from the practice field to the game field you know, at this point in the season is certainly... Uh, a pretty serious issue, uh, at least on its face. I mean, and I, I don't know how many you know ways you can really take that other than what it sounds like. I mean, guys just aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, so either either they're doing it on purpose or they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And like you said, it kind of it, it seems to me to kind of point back to the toward the top. But uh, yeah, it, you know, Gase obviously not thrilled. The guys aren't all on the same page and. Uh, sounds like they're going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit there and you know try to try to get things nailed down this week. Which players did you have the opportunity to hear from? Uh, got a chance to hear a little bit from Jamal Adams, who uh, was about as down as I think I can ever remember Jamal being after a game. I mean, he always kind of can take losses pretty hard, but sometimes he comes out and is a bit defiant. Other times he's a little bit more, uh, you know,
you know, he'll be upset or frustrated, but, uh, you know, has a certain bit of resolve to him. Today, it was just um, a, kind of a grim scene. I mean, Jamal was uh, a bit, he, he was a low talker. He was uh, clearly pretty upset. And, you know, I, I raised the point to him at one point that, you know, it seemed like he was about as down as we really ever see him. And if this one was stinging more maybe than some others. And he said, he's like, you know, we're one in six, man. I, I just, it's frustrating and I just want to win. And, uh, you know, I think Jamal is kind of running out of some answers here. And, uh, you know, he, he's the kind of guy that's never going to quit, I don't think. And he's going to keep battling for this team. You saw it on that second play when he chased Fournette down uh, on what should have been a touchdown run. I mean, this guy plays with a lot of heart and uh, desire and obviously does want to be on a winning team. And I think he's just frustrated that it hasn't worked out for him that way so far. So, uh, you know, he certainly was not the happiest of campers in the locker room after the game. And uh, beyond that, uh, heard briefly from Leonard Williams, who, uh, said that he, uh, you know, did think a little bit about the fact that this could be his last game as a Jet beforehand, but uh, did his best, obviously, to tune that out once the game was starting and, you know, not letting that affect him and the fact that he doesn't have any control over the situation. So, you know, was just trying to put it out of mind best he could. And kind of similar thing for, for Robbie Anderson. He said he hasn't been thinking about it at all. It's, that's a, a distraction. But uh, he did have an interesting line where, uh, he said, you know, God forbid that's the last game I play as a Jet. You know, I don't want people to think that I ever did anything but try to give my all to, you know, help this team win. So uh, I think Robbie obviously doesn't, certainly doesn't sound like he wants to go out on that performance, uh, you know, such a brutal loss and on an individual level, you know, a bit of a mixed performance for him as well. So uh, he was also asked point blank if, you know, if he wants to be with the Jets, and he said yes. So, um that's his preference, but you know who knows if it's going to work out that way with what Joe Douglas decides over the next couple of days here. Uh, and yeah, those were kind of the the main guys that I heard from the locker room. Uh, did not get a chance, unfortunately, to sit in on Sam Darnold's uh, press conference. It was kind of going on at the same time as some of those guys that were on the trade block were getting uh, interviewed in the, the the locker room. So decided to stick around and speak with uh, Leonard and. Robbie instead, but uh, kind of heard that Sam Darnold was, uh, he had a bit of the same demeanor as Jamal Adams, where he was, uh, you know, just a little bit, you know, probably not quite as extreme as Jamal. I don't think Sam rides as high or low as Jamal, but, uh, you know, he was uh, a bit of a, a quieter version of himself today as he kind of looks for those answers. Any injury news, Matt? Uh, no, no details really emerged after the game, obviously. Couple guys, uh, you know, like Ryan Cleal didn't finish the game. You know, Tremaine Johnson banged up, but uh, Adam Gase didn't have anything further for us after the game, and uh, didn't have anything further for us on C.J. Mosley either. I know Gase had mentioned on Friday that he would have some more answers after this game, but uh, he didn't have any updates on that front either. So, gonna have to wait until Monday when we get him on a conference call to kind of find out more on that front. Final question, Matt, and this is the most important question I'm going to ask on this entire podcast. You were sent down to Jacksonville, Florida by your employer, NJ.com, New Jersey Advanced Media. So you had, I assume, some nice weather and a little bit of time. 
What else did you do when you were down there? Did you go to any nice restaurants? Did you and Andy Vasquez from NorthJersey.com get an opportunity to play golf? Did you go to the beach? What was going on on your employer's dime this weekend down in Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, I did just have a nice uh, dinner, seafood place down on uh, in Atlantic Beach here uh, tonight after the game, so that was good. Uh, may or may not have snuck out to a golf course with uh, Andy Vasquez and Mark Canazero on Saturday afternoon, uh, and you know, just uh, went for a run on the beach Sunday before the game as well. So could be worse. Uh, you know, at least there's some nice weather down here and some uh, sand and waves as well. So you know, it, it, it's not all bad. Who won the golf match? Uh, not me. I had a horrible day on the golf course. <laughs> I believe Andy and Mark. Tied, if I'm not mistaken, it was close down the stretch. I know, uh, you know, it came down to the last hole, but uh, by that point, I was well out of it. So I can't say I was uh, paying too much attention. I, I had a tough day out there. Hopefully, you get the opportunity for a rematch because you'll be back in Florida next Sunday for the second straight week as the Jets take on the Miami Dolphins. So you go from Jacksonville back home to New York and then back from New York to Florida again, this time Miami. So you're going on the New York-Florida loop for a couple of weeks here. At least you'll get an opportunity to have some nice weather down there in Florida compared to the cold weather that's starting to pop up here in the New York, New Jersey area. Matt, I will say this, though. If the Jets don't perform better next week against the Miami Dolphins than they did against the Jaguars, especially considering how bad the Dolphins are and the fact that they are more or less openly tanking, that is going to be one rough post-game report next week. Yeah, uh, I have a feeling it could be a bit of an ugly game to watch for everyone involved next week. And uh, yeah, could, could make for some tense post-game proceedings if things don't go the Jets' way as well. Well, let's just hope the next week things go better for the Jets and things go better for you on the golf course if you get your rematch with Andy and Mark Canizero. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Glad that we could break everything down and get through all the news and notes and we'll see what happens over the next couple of days now as Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams take center stage. That's what all the chatter is going to be about over the next couple of days. So plenty to report on that, I'm sure, over at NJ.com slash Jets. You've got plenty of stuff up there now too and plenty that's going to be going up by the time that this this podcast goes up in the morning. What do you got at NJ.com slash Jets, Matt? Yeah, so uh, have a little bit of a look at Le'Veon Bell's usage, like I mentioned earlier, uh, just some overall like performance stuff from uh, the Jacksonville game as well, and going to be taking a look at some of the, the trade stuff as well, um, probably breaking down some stuff with Robbie and Leonard and what the Jets should do with them on that front, so uh, just keep an eye out for that on NJ.com slash Jets. Follow me on Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipulkowski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Uh, you know it's been tough sledding for the Jets here, but still nine games left, so hang, hang in there and keep reading over at NJ.com slash Jets. Appreciate you guys all following along. Make sure that you are reading Matt's work over at NJ.com slash Jets. Follow him on Twitter at M underscore S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.